All right. Welcome back to A3Z Academy podcast. I am your host, Ryan Beckwith. In the house today, we have Anthony A.J. Orange, hey. Justin Kelly, What's up? Art Charles Jr. Yo. And we have a new member of our panel that we'd like to welcome and uh, introduce real quick. Her name is Stevie Robinson. She is the assistant coach at Cal State University Bakersfield Volleyball, both indoor and sand, and is also now the recruiting coordinator on top of it all. And I'm going to run through a quick bio on her, and and, uh, I know she doesn't want me to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. So Stevie is a uh, Bakersfield-born and bred athlete, student athlete that started off her career at Pepperdine University and graduated there playing indoor and sand, I believe, at Pepperdine. And then once graduated, she got into a master's degree at USC and played sand at USC and won a national title there. From there, went on and played her pro career overseas and was also on the U.S. national team at the time. Then from there, and this just keep going, so just hold on to your seat for a little <laughs> bit longer because she's got a hell of a career. She also went and coached at, she's sitting over here just mad at me right now. So she also coached at Citadel, well, started her coaching career at Citadel, then went on to Gonzaga and now is back home at Cal State University Bakersfield, as previously noted. So Stevie, welcome. Thank you for joining the panel. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think you win <laughs> on the um, just the track record and the whole like pedigree. You have the most stars no. next to you for no. sure. Yeah, I think yeah. so. No, I just been very fortunate. I lucked out. <laughs> <laughs> that's what all that's what all studs say. So anyway, well, today what we wanted to talk about and get into is what's going on right now in front of our eyes in the middle of this pandemic that we've got going on. One of the glaring things that we saw this past weekend was in the NFL, uh, just injury ridden the entire weekend. And we wanted to get into the preparation side of things. We talk a lot about training. We talk a lot about what to do when you're in season. We talk about recovery, but preparation is a big thing. We want to dive into it and help people understand what's going on, that it's not it's not just these injuries are happening and yes, football is a violent sport, but every sport is a little violent to the body in general. Even if you're not making contact with another human, we are sitting, still putting ourselves through a tremendous amount of stress and force. And we want to talk about the preparation and what we're doing, how we're doing. And, and AJ and I had a conversation with one of the coaches at A3 Martin uh, when we were talking about this, you know, San Francisco 49ers was probably the most glaring with as many injuries as they had on Sunday. And I believe that was that a Sunday game. That was a Sunday game, right? So anyway, we were talking about it. And when we started talking about prep and we were going into these things and, and the coach was asking about the strength and conditioning coach and was, was asking about different training aspects that they're doing up there with that team and really around the league as a professional. And one of the things that the AJ and I really honed in on was the fact that, you know, the, the old school mentality of training that we've talked a lot about on this podcast is going after the major muscle groups because, you know, when it comes down to training, people really want the strength athlete. They want the power athlete. But a lot of times what's missed is those stabilizer muscles. Now, when we start talking about major muscle groups and we're talking about quads, hamstrings, glutes, calves are part of that equation, shoulders, back, chest, you know, we start getting into these things and we're talking in a number of 10 to 20 major muscle groups that we're really focused on when we train. And a lot of times what happens is we're not focused on the little tiny things that include more than 600 muscles that the human body has. Now, some of those obviously being internal, 
but obviously there are a ton, hundreds, literally hundreds of muscles that we can be focusing on from a training perspective. And that's simple movement pattern stuff. And so, you know, one example, just that, you know, it's kind of a controversial thing for whatever reason in the training world is where your toes and your knees should be when you're squatting, deadlifting, cleaning, snatching, all of these things. Now, if you are training to train and you are training to squat and be really good at squat or clean or deadlift or snatch, then by all means, do the position that's going to keep you healthy and lift really heavy because that's your goal. That's fantastic. Do it. But when we're talking about being an athlete, and if Stevie is playing libero and she's playing black back line and she's got her feet planted on the court and she's got to drive forward to try to make a pancake and pop this ball up so we can get a good pass across the court. If she's starting out with her toes outside and her knees outside, in order for her to drive forward, she's got to now rock her knees in, which puts her in a really bad position, which takes time. And now that's an inefficient move. Now, being someone who she is and the success that she's had, I bet we could watch film and look at something and go, wow, she was really efficient. You would not be able to have the career she had if she was not efficient. So when we start talking about training aspects or swinging a baseball bat, coming off the rubber, AJ being in a pressed position and doing a speed turn, I mean, all of these things come with movement pattern recognition and the people in this room would not have the career they had if there wasn't efficiency. And that comes with the preparation and the training. And so those are the things we want to dig into. And I know that was a long-winded introduction to what we're talking about here. But Art had a really good point about, you know, if, if you think about the NFL this year, one of the big things that happened is there was no preseason. So we started talking about baseball. Well, what if spring training was taken away? And we start talking about prep. And Art, if you wouldn't mind touching on that, about players a lot of times using that preseason or spring training or preseason, what we would normally say, or in Stevie's world, be the non-conference games versus conference games, using those as a way to train and a way to create chemistry and get in shape and get in game shape and so on and so forth. Yeah. So we've heard it. I'm sure Justin's heard it. And I mean, pretty much all of us have probably heard a little bit, but for baseball specifically, um, they talk to us about that every year um, at the end of the season. And then obviously when we get into spring training, um, there's always a trend of people who, you know, they may work out, they may do their stuff, their baseball things, you know, run a little bit or what and whatnot. But they there's always a group of people that use spring training as a time to where that's their OK, now I'm working out. Now I'm doing all my baseball stuff. Now it's time to push myself. And granted, spring training is only a month. And if you think about it, you have two weeks essentially before you start playing games. So in spring training, we always get a lot of injuries. Um, there'll be yeah. pitchers, you know, arms go down or position players that got pulled muscles in their lats, in their legs, strip muscle strains. You see guys hopping in the cold tub, you know, like just to just weird, weird little in injuries that like you, like you talked about the preparation um, and, and not just the working hard, the hitting those essential uh, muscle groups, but also, you know, putting yourself in those game time situations. Like we talked about um, the other week with Logan, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's mentally doing stuff and then pre presenting it physically as well. Yeah. But it happens a lot. You see it every single year. Somebody comes in to spring training, you know, they're not in the best of shape. We always do our, our weight, our weigh-ins and all of our physical fitness testing and all that stuff prior to everything getting kicked off. And then they let you know what you have to do going through spring training to really prepare yourself for the season right. through those tests. And a lot of times like people come in and they're, you know, they're overweight from the weight that they wanted the team, the team wanted them to come in, you know, then they're behind on, on conditioning because they weren't doing the running they were supposed to be doing. 
their their <laughs> numbers the numbers from the weightlifts you know aren't what they're supposed to be where they thought they would be so now everybody's trying to catch up and really okay now spring training's the time to kick it on in the gear when you're when you're doing all this and you're trying to make a team yeah you know so yeah. now you're pushing yourself extra hard harder than you pushed yourself all off season yeah. you're trying to make a team you're super sore you know you're 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 <laughs> short window breath now you're getting into the games and you're not performing and you wonder why you know, and that's something that happens literally. I know Justin's probably seen it. I mean, we've all seen it. You know, every single every single you know spring training time or preseason any preseason time as well. And that's what we've talked about, right? That there's absolutely no way to mimic game speed. That's just not going to happen. You can't do it in practice. You can't do it in training. But what you can do is prep your body for those positions, those movements, the change of directions, the rotational things that you're going to do. And then, like you just said, and we've talked about this at almost to exhaustion about training the mental side of it, because mm -hmm. ultimately when we start getting injured and things, and I'm talking minor injuries now, I'm talking the hamstrings, the shoulders and things like that. A lot of those wear and tear injuries come from the mental aspect of it, right? Because we haven't trained our brain to be uber focused on the task at hand, because in the off season, we like to relax. And then we use spring training to get ourselves game ready, quote unquote. But the issue from the mind part of it is if I'm not focused 100% focus, even 90% focus on what I'm supposed to be doing at the time, then I'm going to go into this thing and my mechanics aren't going to be on. I'm going to be a little bit lazy. And now all of a sudden, that's when those legs and shoulders and elbows and knees and all those things are getting sore and tired and I'm worn out. I'm going to be a little bit slower to react because of that. And it's the mental aspect more than anything else when we start talking about the preparation side of it, that you got to stay sharp mentally because ultimately when you step into that preseason, regardless of what we're talking about and what verbiage of preseason we're talking about, the mind is going faster than it's gone in months. And so if we haven't done anything to prep for that multi-directional change of direction, and when I say that, I'm also talking about having to make split decisions. So when we start talking about change of direction. We're not talking about going right or left or front or back. We're talking about having to be focused on one thing and then immediately in 0. 0.0005 seconds, I've got to do something mm -hmm. else. And oh, shoot, now I got to go back over here. Oh, now it's way over 180 on the other side. And that's happening constantly. And that's where a lot of that wear and tear is happening in the beginning of the season, which is why when we start talking about conference play or divisional play or whatever that might be going into the playoffs, that's why you have so much time before those things happen, because all that's worked out by then. But if you haven't done anything to get ready for it, and especially in a situation like we have going on in the pandemic right now, where all the seasons are being cut down, whether that be in the collegiate level or the professional level, we're going to have a lot of problems because we weren't ready to go into this. We, we weren't mentally prepared to go into this thing. And then you go into the training aspect, right? That if everything I've done is strictly linear, in the weight room, or I haven't done as much running as I should. Now I'm being asked to make all these different movements. And now my visual system is engaged and my hand-eye coordination is engaged and I'm moving through space up, down, side to side, front to back. And I haven't done really a lot of that stuff in my training. Good luck. I think the, this all comes and brings me back to why we started talking about a lot of this. Yeah. And it was having a, a great mindset during uncertain times. How are you going to handle uncertain times? Right How are you going to handle in season? Because nothing in the season is scripted out. I mean, there's ways that we always win games. There's ways we lose and fail games always. But I think when it comes down to what the NFL, which how much how much time did they have to get ready? How much and really what how much time did they really have? About a month. 
Okay, maybe so maybe since training camp, because with no preseason games, it's like, and just to piggyback off of what you guys said, a lot of people use the training camp time to get in shape, right? And right. The, for the people that don't, they're ahead of the curve, right? But again, like we were talking about, all these people that got hurt are starters, okay? And with these preseason games, for the most part, two, three games, whatever it's been, the starters don't play in the first game. They'll play like one half. Like game three. They, they play like one half, you know, then they get the second string guys in there, get some film. And then by the third game, they're playing the first series, right? So, and like like we've been saying, you can't mimic the game speed. No matter how hard we practice, no matter how fast we're no. going, we're not going full speed, we're not tackling. So it's not game speed, right? It's practice speed at a high level, whatever it is. So we run into this problem where we have our starters not getting those preseason games, not actually getting full speed reps. And then we go into a full game. They're out there for 60 plays, high speed, high intensity. Injuries are going to happen. They haven't put themselves in that position to be in a game, to just get a feel of what the speed is, playing in a, against another opponent and all these things. And again, um, <clears throat> focusing on the strength and conditioning part, right? Getting bigger, faster, stronger, but limiting the mobility and the stretching because everybody's using that time to think that they, they need to get bigger, faster, stronger, besides focusing that early in the time. And then when you get in the training camp is when you should really be working on your mobility, your functionality, right. and all that stuff. So it translates to when we actually get into the season, live games, going full speed. We've already prepped for that. You're missing that preparation part, right? Without the preseason, the shortened training camp, and then you have guys that are, you know, backups, ready to play. Starters are going out there trying to kill themselves because they don't want the backup to play, and then they hurt themselves. Right? It's just so That's many phases into. you go through getting ready for a season. And I mm -hmm. feel like it's going from phase two to five. Mm -hmm. When you're going from being ready to, okay, we're going to switch into game gear without those extra times to get ready to, like we talk about your direction, getting your mechanics, whatever it is in order. Or for me, I'm not going to throw a bullpen at 100% until I know what I'm doing right at like 80%. Mm -hmm. These guys are getting thrown into it to go at 110%, not having all that time to be ready for the small things. Yeah, yeah I, think that was, oh, I think that was a big point that you made that we should definitely highlight is the fact that we, like even in baseball, we do the same thing. The starters are where we might switch, where I might play six innings today. You know, and then the next guy will come in and finish the game. And then maybe tomorrow, I'll piggyback. Mm -hmm. But you're getting those in-game reps, but it's not a full nine innings. Right. So I might play first base for, like I said, five innings, six innings, depending on if I, how many at-bats I get. And then the next guy will come in. You're not just getting thrown into a full nine nine uh nine innings you know mm -hmm. which can be you're not two. gonna waste that during a game that counts you're gonna play all night exactly but that's that's, that's what, the that's thing the though point. those little yeah. reps that you are getting yeah give you a sense of okay now i'm in a game you and build. you don't need an entire game to get the feel right six innings whatever it is one yeah. quarter for the starters and then to get the guys back in so we can get film but the starters are not they're not getting the game speed like they were in the preseason they're going from training camp mm -hmm. which is 60 70 percent no tackling no contact right Right into game speed, full speed. People are trying to take your head it's off, nuts. hurt you. you Got to make full speed decisions, and then injuries happen because we haven't put ourselves in that position or even mimicked it by being out there for six innings or one quarter or whatever it is, preparing you to go full speed for sixty plays. And I want to pass this to Stevie too because I, I don't think a lot of people really think about the setup of volleyball um, and really the violence of your body that happens in volleyball. I don't think really people, people attribute that. So we've talked about before that, you know, when, when you jump at full capacity and run at full speed, we're talking about 10 plus times your body weight of ground force going into your body every single time. So with you, Stevie, you know, in preparation now as a coach 
and you're looking at this system going on and, you know, from your position and for those of you that are listening to this, that are football fans, think of Stevie as a libero. Think of her as the Mike linebacker that she's, she's running the set, the defensive set. She's making the calls immediately on the court. And so here we got this 60 by 30 foot rectangle split into two 30 by 30 spaces. Now in that 30 by 30 space, we have six athletes on each side of the net. So when you look at it from that standpoint, so I've got somebody who's throwing this ball 20 feet in the air before they do their jump serve at me. This ball's flying at me at 68 to 70. I was just going to ask that. I was, I was guessing 70, but there you go. So depending on who you're playing, 60 to 70 miles an hour from, you know, in, in your position, we're less than 50 feet away and it's traveling down at me. Now, I, I have to remember that when I'm watching this, it's like watching a receiver go in motion, that they have a certain set. As soon as the ball gets hit and served, their entire offense changes to defense and then they shift. So now Stevie's got to look at what's going on, find this ball out of the air, while at the same time looking across the court at these other systems that they've got going, and then make a pass to somebody on her team to set up her hitter in the right position. Like it, it's incredible, and that all happens in a matter of two seconds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and on top of all that, now we're talking about you know all the different games that you have to play just to just to win a match, quote unquote. You might yep. be playing five games. Yep. And now, so if you think about five games, you think about the amount of points it takes to win a game back and forth. And when we're talking in some cases, two hours, two and a half hours. Right. And then per game, there could be 50 points yeah. scored. So now you think about how many volleys went back and forth. I'm tired thinking about it. Now. Right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I just want yeah. people to understand exactly. the numbers, right? Yeah. Okay. So if, let's say on average that three or four volleys went back and forth. I mean, and you that's could have, on. You could easily have like, close to a 10 minute rally. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But yeah. you know, sometimes there's an ace or sometimes there's a pass set dig done or right. pass set kill done. Right. So on average, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's 10 back and forth volleys over 50. Now do that math. Right. So now we're talking about 500 <laughs> touches, not including the serve. Okay. So if people understand that now, and she does that, you know, going through your career and how many times a week you had to do that and so on and so forth. And so my point to all of that is from a preparation standpoint and a violence to your body standpoint, looking at the scenarios that you're being put into yeah. as a coach right now, and you're going from a 15 to 20 game season down to a potential six or seven yeah, or eight game season, wrapping your brain about how to get <laughs> these collegiate athletes ready to go dealing with force and prep and all these things that we're talking about. And in some cases, the reaction time is so much different in volleyball because it's constant mm -hmm. and it's really, really fast. So like art looking down a 90 mile an hour fastball, but he does that and then he gets a break. Correct. And then he does that and he gets a break, not to diminish that. Right. Or a Mike linebacker would be comparative to your position, but we go through one play and then we get a break. You don't get a break. No, it just bang, 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 bang. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And so prepping the mental aspect for that. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's interesting because if you put me back in my shoes, like when I was a player, I didn't think about any of that. Like I was just like, all right, I'm here. Let's go. Let's do it. And now that I'm coaching and here I am faced in this whole new situation, um, you know, one of the conversations we had when all of this first came out and the conversation was happening of like, are we going to have a season? Is it going to be moved to the spring? Like what's going to, what's that going to look like? One of the comments that was actually made like that we were all talking about is like, okay, well like, how about like, let's just push it back till November 
give them a week, and then let's play games. Because realistically, our preseason is two weeks. We get kids, we come in, we have weights and double days for two weeks straight, and then that third week we hop into that preseason. So, I mean, we're getting freshmen who, one, never been in a weight room, have never touched a volleyball for maybe they've that whole summer they haven't touched volleyballs. They haven't done anything. In game scenarios. And now they're in practices three times a day plus the weight room three times a week. So they're getting thrown into that for two weeks, and then they're on top of that having to perform on the court to see, like, do I get to start? Am I not starting? Like I didn't know how – yeah, little like, time they had. But that's the, you know, fall sport. You don't right. get that much time. Right. Um, that's just what it looks like for us. And, you know, there's days where we back off the load and maybe it's only a double day, maybe it's a single day. But for kids that don't have the preparation, like, I mean, not even an ice bath can fix you then. Right. So right. <laughs> you're trying Gosh. to, like you're talking about, you're trying to make cuts, you're trying to move, you're trying to, you know, function in a loaded, low position. Like, that's not happening. Right. Every single part of your body's on fire like it's just it's not happening so then how do you perform for the actual sport which is what you signed up to do right what would be uh, like an ideal high school senior coming into a freshman volleyball season in the fall like what does that what should that summer before going in look like um honestly like when you think about it more weight room more being ready to know what cleans are being able to front squat being able to move some weight rather than focusing so much on the volleyball touches like they've been playing volleyball you know it's going to go for away for a little bit but it's like riding a bike you get back on and the touches come back but if you've never experienced that weight room like your body is shot like you're shot you you're not moving on the court you're slow you feel heavy your legs feel heavy you're not jumping it's a hard one i got a question for you so in football, we use that that training camp period to kind of weed people out as far as, like, their conditioning strength, yeah. their mental. You guys yeah. use that same period, even though it's really short, right, that two um, weeks to kind of. So we don't. So that's the difference a little bit with volleyball because our roster size is smaller, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily normal to have a ton of walk-ons. Um, so every kid that's basically on roster is on scholarship at this point. Mm-hmm. So I can't just weed someone out in the first two weeks and take that scholarship. That's theirs for that year once they've signed that piece of paper. So it's kind of like either I deal with it or I figure out how to help this kid and get them better. Um, And how many, sorry, how many roster spots? You 15? We have 12 scholarships. Um, 12 scholarships, that's what the count is. And then six are on the court. Yeah, but usually we carry about, like right now this year we'll have a roster of 18. Okay. So, and you know, there are some mental things that we put in there. Exactly, you know, conditioning days are mental toughness, and but that's the other thing. So you add in conditioning days plus the weights plus competition. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't prepared for this, like you probably want to run out of the gym crying like will, on your first it day. It will probably break you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's the point, though, yeah. right? For most, well, yeah, most yeah, of the part, yeah. it is. I mean, yeah, that mental piece. You, I mean, you cannot sign up and just be mindless about this. You can't. But I remember my first, actually, even with you, or we were at BC learning how to move and then the day you have school all day and just having some like it was like traumatic events how yeah, awful the workouts went right. how tired you were <laughs> and like slowly it just becomes you know you grow and grow a little bit more but i remember those bear crawls and all that and you're like i got 
three classes today. Like, and then you think walk. about walking to class, and yeah. it's like, um, maybe I'm just not gonna make it. To study now, like, like, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, funny. It's like to, to this day, like <laughs> talking to to your like your specific team, you and Isaiah and Tyler. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of them. You know, you you talk to them, and they it's like burned into your memory those first few weeks of workouts of going, Oh my gosh, yeah. what yeah. did I sign up? Shout out for? trail though. He made it look easy. Still makes it look easy. <laughs> I'm over here like trying to get back into like actually like wedding dress shape. And he's like, Oh, I gotta get my wedding body. And I'm like, what, what do you, what do you consider this already? Yeah. Like, Your yeah I'm like, wow. Like but I got a lot my, of work to do. My dad bod. <laughs> I'm like, man, if that's your dad bod. What's this? Like my grandma. Bod? Like, yikes. But, New dad bod. Yeah. Good days. <laughs> but I think that, you know, when you, when you start, and I remember my first, you know, my first double days going into football, my freshman year was, it just blew my mind. And then my junior year when I when I was running track we had double days and going from football season to track season I mean I had never been through anything in my life at that moment like I went through double days in track and when I I mean it made football because I thought football was you know you go into college you're like man this is this is a grind this is really hard track made football look like pop warner football man like we want we our mornings we go out there he would send us on a run we'd come back we'd come back to the track go through a full workout we'd get a two-hour break and then we would have another track workout and then we would go to the weight room so really triple days but i mean and that was for a month because i was in the cal state system when i first started doing this and you almost have the entire january with no school and let me tell you he took 100% advantage of the fact that we didn't have to go to class. <laughs> like, it was one of the most brutal things I've ever been through as an athlete. But, you know, going through that and feeling it and going, man, if I would have not taken the last three weeks of December off when football ended, like, man, what would I have felt like? But, you know, then it goes to the fact that I needed that time for my body to recover. So I wasn't Gumby walking around about to melt, you know? So it, it really showed me like stepping forward now 20 years, you know, you look at everything that you go through as an athlete. And again, like you said, right when you started talking about the reason we do this podcast is to pay it forward. And we've all been there where some of you young athletes that are listening, we've been where you're trying to go. And for three of you, you're already, you're, you're continuing to do it. You're still doing it. And the two of us are now coaching and, you know, you look at it from a standpoint of what would I wish I would have known, you know, what are those things that could have helped me be even better than I was? And again, it really goes down to what can you handle from a mental capacity? If, if I would have known back then, if I would have, when I was what, 20, I guess when that track season happened, if I would have known then what I was about to go through. And then go back three years in time and prep like that for my freshman football season. Oh my gosh. I'm like, way I, more efficient. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, now is, you know, in these getting ready for this pro off season. And, you know, you can answer the same way. I, I think a lot of what you learned in college and high school from the mentors and the coaches you've had, you really are your own coach when you are a professional and you have your own time to kind of take care of it. And a lot of that is instilled from what we learned in college. So as a college coach, I'm thinking, okay, when I go back, what do I want to teach a kid? It's just, I mean, you got to be present. 
just got to be present in what you do. And if you make mistakes, and I had problems where I was I wasn't accepting uh, criticism, maybe, or I, I think I would just be try to just just no matter what they say, just at least listen, at least listen and, and try sponge. to be there. Yeah, try to try to sponge and decipher what uh, works for you. Yeah. I mean, not every coach is going to give you solid advice either, right? I mean, you just, you don't know what's being said to you. So you have to be in the moment. You have to be focused and listen to everything that is being said to you. And then it's up to you to decipher, just like anything else in life, it is up to you to decipher what's going to be important to you and what is going to help you succeed and prep for the next, the next scenario that is going to happen the questions will get harder as your life goes on. And so it's really, you know, getting to a point of understanding that number one, we don't know everything and that's okay. And we've got to be open to new ideas and new scenarios and criticism and all of those things. And we can't take it personally. And that goes into the preparation as well, right? That at a certain level, you get to a point where everyone in this room has been a pro. And so at some point in our careers, we were all like, yep, I'm a pro. Uh, you know, I got it. I got it. I can walk into this thing. This is going to be easy. I'm going to walk into this and be fine. And when that moment happens, more often than not, you get it handed to you. Oh, you get heart. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so when that happens, you know, you get that thing handed to you. And, you know, now you think back and every single one of you laugh because we've all felt it. And, you know, you, you get to a point where you're going, okay, okay. So if I could have just been open to the scenario and if I would have stayed on a hundred percent mentally, and again, it, I know we keep saying this, but it really is the higher level you go, the more your, your physical skills don't matter and your mental skills are all that matter. It's what can you handle, handle from a mental capacity standpoint? Because if you can't handle it mentally, you're not going anywhere. You're it's over. And if you can't handle criticism, it's over. And it really comes down to the, that preparation side of it, that just know going in that there's going to be some challenges going in mentally, more mentally than physically. And so what can I do in my preparation time to get my mind right? What are those things? Figure those out because everybody's going to be a little bit different. But that's really what it's going to come down to. What are the movement patterns that you need to do, that you need to prepare for, that you're constantly going to be doing? And then how do I get my mind as sharp as possible from a decision-making standpoint? I think, um, you know, the biggest piece of advice I received just going through, like from being an amateur all the way into a pro through college and all that was just be where your feet are. And I know people say that all the time is really cliche, but it's, it's really one of those things that if you think about it, right, if I'm at, if I'm where my feet are and I'm just focusing on what I'm doing in that time, you can kind of eliminate those distractions. Same way with being like, when I was in college, we had 6 a.m.s, right? Brutal, killed me every morning before class, I'd have to go to class and then I'd have to return to go to practice, right? right. But in my mind, before that time, I was already thinking about the 6 a.m., the day before, right? How bad it's gonna kill me and all that, all these things. Then when I get to it, it's not that bad, right? Mm. So in my mind, when I look back on it now, if I just would have been there, and been receptive to, okay, I'm here to work. And then I go to class, I'm in class, okay, I'm here to do my schoolwork. And then I think about, I'm not thinking about doing all these things and being all these places, stressing myself out, and then get, you know, getting into my own head. If you just are where your feet are, you can focus on one thing at a time. 
And that was that's kind of what helped me out. You know, it's like I said, the biggest piece of advice that I've ever gotten. Yeah. Really cliche, but still applies to me to this day. Like wherever I'm at, if I'm just focusing on what I'm doing in that moment, not worrying about other things or being out of shape or whatever it is, you can kind of gradually pick it up. Win the day, right? Yep, win the day. Win, win the moment. Mm-hmm. I think with college, how how is it with communicating with these kids now with all going on? Um, You know, the, I was going to say, tagging on to his, I think the biggest thing that I would say is, you know, just think about it in the sense of every day and everything you approach is like just an opportunity to get better right now. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, the growth mindset and figuring out how to get comfortable with the uncomfortable because um, none of us are comfortable right now. We're not. Like, but I know when I, you know, working at home every day, I'm trying to figure out how do I make this as comfortable as possible? How, how do I get my work done? Like, how do I do the best job recruiting that I can? So I think that's just the biggest thing right now. And the thing that we're talking with our kids the most about. Yes. Change your comfort zone, right? Yeah. I mean, you say it any way you want. And it's right when you said that, I don't know if you saw my hand go up. It's like, yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, you know, be comfortable being uncomfortable, change your comfort zone. If, if your pain threshold for capacity is at this level right here, then you find this new level of uncomfortable and pain threshold. Okay. That needs to become your new uncomfortable. So now that other one that was your absolute hierarchy of pain tolerance, that's now your 90%. And that should be your goal in the off season is constantly push that level further and further away from you so that when it does come down to the ultimate being on purpose, everything you do and game situations start up, your mental capacity is okay with being pushed. It's okay. I know that I have the time that I need. I'm not so stressed about it. And that's, again, we go in full circle back to this idea of the NFL happening right now. We're going to see it in every sport. Yeah, We saw it in basketball. We're, gonna we're see watching it in baseball. Too. We're watching oh, yeah. it in football. We're going to watch it in the international sports that start coming up pretty soon. It's going to happen unless at some point somebody changed the narrative here and go, okay, well, your season starts in January, Stevie, so it, it's time right now. Yep. We're reading books. We're we're changing the narrative on everything that needs to happen so that these kids mentally are there and ready to go. And if the season didn't start tomorrow, they would go nuts because they're so ready mm-hmm. instead of dreading that first game going, oh, my gosh, what is it going to feel like? It's going to be so weird. Oh, my gosh. You know, and the stress just taking over. And that's the issue I think that's happening right now is that it is so different and we're freaking ourselves out about the difference. I couldn't imagine what that Saturday night was before week one of this NFL season for those players. Like, oh, let's go do something we haven't done um, really much besides practice with our teammates. That's exactly what it is. And that's what I was telling him and, and Martin what I attribute to is, like I said, no preseason. Starters getting ready, not going full speed, usually using that those preseason games to kind of get a feel of game speed how fast they want to go, how they're going to move in space against an opponent. And then they're out there, 60 plays, trying to do it with no you know, no practice or yeah. no inclination of what's going on. You throw them out there, and then you go on full speed, and you haven't gone full speed. That's when you know you put your foot in the wrong place. You've gone that hard in maybe 10 months since mm-hmm. last You got season. guys that, have, that are out there trying to prove themselves, trying to take people's heads off. You got concussions and all these things happening because nobody knows how fast the next person is going to be moving because they haven't been there. Right. We- even even on touching on that point, like like I know for baseball, we work on different things with our swings or, you know, we I might work on different footwork around the bag. You know, when in football, maybe you're working on a new move to get through the line. And mm-hmm. 
normally you have those games to prepare. You know, you have that month of spring training to comp- to prepare before you go into the season to get those moves down that you may have been practicing on in the offseason mm-hmm. to get my new swing down to, you know, put it into a game situation and to really prepare it for season. Mm-hmm. But whenever you go into it without the spring training, then you now, use those games. Now, now I'm using those, use those serious games, yeah. games uh-huh. to to work on this move and see if it works. And maybe I'm putting my body into a new stressful position due to the new moves that I'm trying to work on mm-hmm. that I wasn't going high intensity while I was doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going high, half speed trying to learn it to get the muscle memory before I pushed it. And now in the midst of trying to actually get that, that still build on that and, and get those moves and get those repetitions down and create that that I guess you can say in-game intensity, you know, muscle memory, you don't have that time to do that. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you're, yeah. you're coming in right away all, all pistons Two firing. weeks only, like the volleyball schedule, like I couldn't handle that. You get two <laughs> weeks to, to get ready for a season for yeah, baseball, man. They're cranking time. it out, too. I mean, but three, like think about days. like when you were in college, did you take care of your body? Because I sure didn't. Probably not. I mean, nope. I was like, I need to warm up. <laughs> no, What's a warm up? Like I that's wanted, a joke. Yeah. You know, tried and, to hydrate, circles, but it was I'm pretty good. bad. Yeah. yeah, so we talk about like, you know, the mental side of it, but I think that also is a big thing that if I would go back, like, I would spend way more time in like the training room, like taking care of mobility, stretching, like mm-hmm. really yeah. making sure like my body was like up to where it needed to be. Like I didn't care, but nothing hurt. So I was like, okay, I'm going to just um, keep going. How many yeah. times after practice? And I, I mean, I was notorious for this. Just walk away. Oh, you yeah. just yeah. walked away yeah. and went yeah, yeah, yeah. and showered, got dressed and did what I had. To. I never, ever cooled down. No matter how many times I was told to cool down. And you know, I the funny thing about that is, is that I never did, but now I even do it after my workout. Yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. You know, sleep, you know, cause like, in. I just like, you know, I that feel wisdom. so much better if I that just, wisdom, <laughs> if I stretch afterwards, I don't worry about catching a Charlie horse or anything. It's for I used me. to get yeah. those you in know, basketball. Yeah. You know, it's funny, like at A3 when we like, so we work out as, you know, as a group, right. And then there's always a group class that comes in afterwards. Mm. And it's like the coaches are fighting to who's going to coach that class. Cause we all want to lead the warm up. As our cooldown. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> funny right there. Yeah. Yep. But I was gonna get into that too, is that like, you know, even with us, I know people always say, Hey, in baseball at least, stay out of the training room. You know, that was when I got to Pro yeah. Bowl. They say that you can make the club in the that tub, was a, right? Exactly. That was you a big thing. Don't guy. go into the training room, you know. So even if I felt like, oh, you know what, like Maybe just even a little massage, you know, or whatever after would be good. Just like, you, you know, don't want I can't, making I can't no notes about it. Right. Yeah. Oh, I can't. Art came in. His <laughs> hip was bothering him. We there. don't know what's going yeah, on. I can't you don't go want to know too much about your trainer. Yeah. You're yeah, best yeah. friends. My, you spend my, too much time my, my arm was a little bit sore today. I ain't going in there and getting it rubbed out or getting exercises done. Nah, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and take it to the house, you know. <laughs> figure it out. But those are like those little misconceptions, though, that, you know, I'm glad that we have this that we can speak about because, I know that if I like what I know now, like what AJ's saying, like, you know, after the workout, he's getting his cool down. You know, he's it's the wisdom, the wisdom we have yeah. now, you know, and even yeah. like with the big league guys that I saw in spring training, those guys were in the training room. It wasn't because, oh, I'm hurt, but it was preparation. So maintenance, they didn't right? maintenance. And maintenance exactly. Exactly. So they stayed away from injury. But on the flip side, I think that's where the mental toughness comes in, because you have to recognize, am I sore or am I actually injured? So. And if you're not mentally tough, everything at that point is, oh, it's an injury. I'm not just yes. sore, you know. I see that all the time. I think you can differentiate the that. The guys that are in the training room because they're actually hurt 
or because the guys I are in there trying to abuse like 100%. oh my toe hurts can i get like a <laughs> yeah. full foot massage calf whatever and we've all versus, seen those guys yeah and then right. we got the people like girls. roll your ankle like oh, i'm not going in there i just walk it off no go get treatment get it get it looked at it's oh. okay but I if you're not my, like hurt, then don't try. You know what I mean? Don't abuse. <laughs> but sometimes it's not even getting treatment, right? It's just using the tools that are there. Yeah, you know? yeah there's and stuff be in self, there. Be self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. You can roll out on your own, stretch on yeah. your own. You know the uh, incredible drill in spring training when they just crush little rubber balls at yeah, uh, pitchers? Yeah, yeah. My first spring training, I'm trying to make a team. One right at my pinky, dislocated my pinky. Didn't tell anyone. It was sore for like two weeks. I was numb. I couldn't throw my change up, nothing. Didn't tell anyone because I got to make a team. If I don't tell, if I tell them I have an injury... I'm extended. I cannot Ooh, tell them you I'm don't want to be an extended. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. So we had that fine <laughs> line of like, all right, I got to take care of this. I probably should have got it looked at. I probably should have got it looked at. I didn't get it looked 100%, at. Probably. But the thing is, is you are trying to not get that, that, uh, you don't want to be that guy. That label. You don't want yeah. that asterisk. Yeah, next you don't to want to be like, name. no, dude, come on. But then, like, yeah, man, you got other guys who don't go in really. Man, you got to get that worked on. You need to spend time. And in college, it was like, okay, 6 a.m., workouts till four. I get out of, uh, practice till six oh, i'm tired i wait uh the training room's open oh, but i'm tired i want to go home you know i haven't hang out with whatever and so and so but you have time in the day you're just choosing not to do it so i think that and another thing going back to me in college i think that's one thing i would do is yeah take advantage and not just say well i've had a left uh, a long day already well just take advantage of what you have yeah, use your no. resources yeah, yeah in college bro i hated the training room yeah i hate i did not want to be injured i did not want to be in there but in a long day you don't want to go in there yeah in hindsight looking back i probably should have spent more time yes. in there, right because the things that that were bothering me were foot dexterity right stuff i could have just been rolling out my foot helping my ankle out yeah. things like that Small but things things. that i just overlooked learning you know as i'm a pro i used to pick up those things but in college it's like you said i just want to get home and go rest but that's the thing too, like Man, as a pro, like as a pro, now you're investing in rapid reboots or Normatech and mm -hmm. you're getting the psoas releases and you're mm -hmm. getting the massage balls and you're all those things. And most likely they were in your training room. Yeah. All of those things were probably in your training room, you know? The STEM machine. So if like, yeah, the STEM machine, all of that, right? So they if it- walk in and think like, why does that person have on moon leg boots? Like, right. What the heck? Yeah. And it's then like, I experienced my first time. I was like, I'm never getting out of these right. things. Right, exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing, right? Is if we, if you would have had, a, if, if all of us, if someone as a coach or whoever, if there would have been a different culture and a different understanding of the injured versus hurt thing or the hurt versus sore thing or the sore versus tight thing. Cause there are all those different levels. So when you start looking at all that, it's if, if there would have been a culture of understanding of what those things are and what those levels are, and that if you are tight, then take care of it, stretch, do your mobility stuff, whatever. If you are sore and things are not working the way they should, you need to go use the tools that are available to you in the training room. Don't bother the trainer. Just walk in there and, and do your thing, right? And then if it goes, starts getting beyond that, then you might want to have a conversation with the trainer. But other than that, the tools are there to help you. And it shouldn't be to the point where we're afraid to go in there. And that was just an old school mentality of... Oh, that was you, my culture. Yeah. Oh, it was all of ours. Don't go oh, to the trainer. For sure. It was all of ours. Fight through it. You yeah, know, whatever absolutely. Whatever pain you have. If, you won't, if your leg's not broken, you're fine. You football players yeah. are crazy, though. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Oh, I have a tear in my L5 disc and like the doctor was like a steroid pack for 10 days. Like oh. you're out for two months. Like if mm. you play volleyball right now, like, and you do it like on the steroid pack, like you're done. I'm like texting <laughs> coaches 
and they're like, so you you can play this weekend in Texas, right? You're good. And I'm like, right. You're good. Did, did you just read? Like, I could like not play volleyball again. And it was like, yeah, but yeah, but you'll be ready to go. And I'm like, but how do you feel? Don't listen to that doctor. Like, right? I don't think that's. He's just I don't a think doctor. this is my ankle anymore, guys. Like, bigger problem here. What kind of doctor is that? And I think again, it goes back to now that you're a coach, you have a completely different mindset when it comes to those things that you're probably going to go through. Well, did you do this when you felt sore? Did you do this when it started hurting a little bit? No. Okay. Well, you know, you're not responsible enough to be on the court. So, you know, go learn how to take care of yourself. And when you're ready, we can talk about being on the court again. And, you know, now it's not, it's not to the point of, cause like you, obviously there was no question about your focus, dedication, all that kind of stuff. So if a coach would have been like, Hey, Stevie, what's going on? Are you everything? Okay. Hey, I might need to rest this time. Okay. Cause I would rather have you for the next three months instead of just this one weekend. And then you blow everything out, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It- <laughs> There's some good and bad about the old school. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it, all of Are us wouldn't be sitting then? here if we we're weren't able to we're handle. Oh yeah. I'm the oldest school. You know, and, you know <laughs> so, I mean, you look at it and it, it, it really comes down to the idea that yes, things, you know, we would probably all say that kids now, especially you, Stevie, that's actually in the recruiting world that you see things now that probably make you shake your head because it, it's just, it's a little softer than it was for us. Yes. <laughs> so when you look at it from a recruiting standpoint, we were talking about this when James was here. Um, for those of you don't, that haven't listened to that, go back and listen to the one where we talked about a coach's perspective from recruiting. Um, and I wanted to ask you this too, because James touched on it. And I've always said this to kids and it actually circles back to what Art was talking about, about working different foot positions on the bag and so on and so forth, that when it really comes down to recruiting, everybody's good. Everybody's got a highlight film, right? And you can't judge someone on their highlight film. It's got to go deeper than that, mm-hmm. obviously. And what James was talking about touching on was sometimes he just likes to go to practice and see how do they practice? Mm -hmm. What do they do in practice to prepare for what's coming up? And if you wouldn't mind just getting a different perspective from James, because I'm not in the recruiting world. These guys are still, AJ's now coaching and and all of that, but we're not coaching from a, we don't control playing time. Mm -hmm. Our job is to make you better. So when it comes down to Stevie having to make a decision, are you going to be on the court? Hopefully we prepared you for that moment. Yeah, hopefully. But, you know, it comes down to when you look at that from a preparation standpoint, what are you seeing? What are you looking for in a student athlete yeah. from a prep standpoint? Um, I think biggest thing that I look for, like you said, obviously I can see by highlight video. I can tell in five minutes, like, are you ready to play at this level or not? Second thing I look for would be like, I definitely want to get in the gym at practice, see what you're doing. But if I'm at a tournament and I'm watching, I'm looking to see like, are you capable of making a change? Mm -hmm. So let's say like, you know, you just made an air and serve receive. Are you going to come back and do something different? Are you just going to keep doing the same thing that you've been doing? Do you know how to fix? Yeah. Do you know how to (laughs) fix what you're supposed to be doing? Um, because I can't be out on the court with you. I can tell you from the sideline, but at the end of the day, like I need to know that you can make a change. And if you can't make a change, then, you know, that might mean maybe you're physically not able to move to the next level to make a change. Because once I get a kid, I'm going to change you. Mm-hmm. Like there are things I'm going to ask you to change. And if you can't do it on your own, are you going to be able to do it with me 
asking it to happen. Um, and then I know it sounds lame, but it's probably the difference between a male and female sports is the things off the court. Like, how do you handle, you know, your teammates? How are you with your coaches? How are you with your parents? Like, are you bratty? Are you being disrespectful to your parents? Are you on your cell phone, like in between games? Do you actually hang out with your teammates? How are you at water breaks? Like just all of those like intangible things. Like that's what I'm looking at. I would almost say from the male female thing, being that we, AJ and I are on the side of, and Justin too, on the side of the training aspect of it. So we don't, you know, we see the off the court stuff is what Mm -hmm. I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I'd almost say that the males are almost worse. Man, Justin agrees. As I of can what? See like it. so? No. Well, it's, a lot it's of the kids I've the handling lessons. of stress, right? I don't. Yeah. I, I, we don't I, handle distractions very well. There we go. Yes, and and sometimes guys do go on full tilt in terms of like on a mound. I mean, you've seen a guy on a mound just crap down his leg, and it's not something that he hasn't had all the preparation for. I've seen Justin do that whenever I got in the box. <laughs> <laughs> I picked it up, though. I picked it up. <laughs> it really is, man. Like. You get sometimes you're out there and you're like, all right, well, I put myself in this situation before. I know what I'm doing. And man, it's still not going right. And then when a kid like starts spiraling, those lessons we talk about and, you know, giving lessons to the kid, you also don't want to be a yes man. You want to be able to question. You also want to know why you're doing it. And I can only help you as much as I can. But like you said, I'm not going to be in the court with you. I'm not going to be in the arena with you. I know my experiences in the arena. And that's why I always try to tell kids like, I'm not the only voice you should be listening to. You should be trying to decipher what is best for you. Let me just give you a little bit what works for me. Yeah, we're going to talk mechanics. We're going to talk about what is efficient for you. But, yeah, I think I think guys do have sometimes the ability to uh, to squander what they have because there's a lot of guys we know with great talent that aren't playing right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, and we can get into this whole philosophical conversation about male, female, you know, what happens, how you're treated when you're coming through. Um, I, I've personally seen it, obviously, you know, you look at the male situation and, you know, we get treated pretty harsh sometimes, but I see it worse with the female athletes. I mean, I really do. I mean, Mm -hmm. the female athletes are expected to be doing so many things and not to mention still be nice and still be polite. And, you know, I mean, all these things and guys aren't expected to do that. They aren't expected to, to juggle all of these different things at yep. the same time. And it really is kind of a, a double standard. It's unfair. But you look at it and I, I mean, we've got female athletes that are coming in that by the time they get to us, they're on their third workout of the day because their parents are like, you have to go do this and right. you have to go it's do the, this and you have to go parents do this. putting so much pressure mm-hmm. on Yeah. Them. And we're looking at it going, oh my gosh. Um, okay. We're going to have you back off a little bit today because you got, it's only Monday and you've <laughs> got the rest of the week practice, to get through. They're going to work out and yeah. then they right. got full practice right after. I'm like. We're like, oh my goodness. And the guys are like, but the, you know, it's different because sometimes, you know, from what we see from the, from the male point of view is they might come to us before practice or the parent will say, oh, well, you know, they're not going to come to work out today because they have practice. And it's the flip side on the female side that they're like, well, I don't care. No, they're, they're going. They yeah. had a they had an individual this morning. They're going to work out with you, and then as soon as they're done, they're going straight to practice. And I'm going, well, do you have any food with you? Did you right. like, do you have anything? You know, like, <laughs> like, right. like they haven't eaten all day. <laughs> What's yeah. volleyball parent dynamics like? Crazy. Yeah, I, I, I we got a little bit of that, but I would be scared. I feel like scared to death um, of dealing with volleyball parents. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. 
Um, it's been like it's interesting right now because during this recruiting process, one of the things that we do, one of our like final kind of steps is we zoom with the whole family. Mm. So we That's actually cool. get to experience the kids with their parents like at the same time. There's been a couple interesting ones, but yeah, story. yeah. Um, and then it kind of makes sense, you know, where some of those conversations and the way that the kid has been behaving when we talk with them, why they act like they act. So that's always a good thing to find out. Um, but it's a little, it's a, it's a good tool. That's a really good. Tool. Yeah. I think with, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Stevie, but when, when you start looking at, like you're saying, how is it for the volleyball community, the volleyball world, mm-hmm. I always compare it to, cause it's the closest thing we can compare to is, um, basketball. And how nutso the AAU basketball is just as it is in it's, club volleyball. Yeah, because it's pretty similar. Well, you, gotta, you guys think about how many positions are on the field at one given time, right? How many pitchers throw in a game, so on and so forth, right? Uh, football, we've got 22 people going offense and defense. And then, you know, I can go down and down and down, right? You guys have six people on the court at one time. Max of eight playing, if you include your running, right. a 6-2 and your right. subs. So right. But that's, I mean, and we also commit ooh. kids by junior year. It used to be sophomore year that you'd start committing kids. Now with the rule change, we're getting most of our commits by junior year. So like right now I'm working on being done with a 2022 class and mm. starting a 2023 class. Mm, mm, so. Mm. And yeah. looking at a 14, 15 year old uh-huh, kid uh-huh. and trying to see what they're <laughs> going to be like when they're 19 and 20. Really? Yep. Like it's to, and again, that's a that's another thing, thing about too. the male mm-hmm. versus sure. female, because the female sports are so far ahead of their recruiting. In the male yep. sports, it's like, oh, we'll see what he does his senior year, and, you know. And and for the the females, it's like if they haven't been recruited by their senior year, they feel like they're a failure. And now you're trying to dig them out of this hole yep. and trying to build them back up and confident and all that kind of stuff. I'm actually dealing with one of those right now. And, you know, just a stud, stud athlete that just really hadn't been talked to at all and just trying to build her up and build her up and build her up because she just didn't have the confidence, you know, and, and it's it's simply because she's been told her entire career. Well, if you don't have anything by the time you're a sophomore, you know, forget about it. Mm-hmm. And, it's you know, and it's it's. In that circumstance, imagine being that like imagine you were you go back into high school, Justin, AJ, Art and saying, by the time your sophomore year passes, if you haven't received calls and offers, you're probably not going to college. All of us, all four of us would have been like, well, guess I, we're not going. Man. I think I think it's interesting now that like how the recruiting is going because especially in football, like they've upped the 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 commitment day, right? So now you're getting guys getting their they're committing earlier and earlier and earlier. And that trickle down effect is happening to now high schools. Now high schools are recruiting kids from yeah. places trying to get you know. And I think that's just like kids that's cra- like from, on, from yeah, it's crazy uh, to me. Like you're already like specialized yeah. in a sport at such a young age, and now we want you just to commit fully to that sport even before you're in high school, deciding what school you're gonna go to for high school, and then even earlier for football. Now we're taking recruits freshman, sophomore year for college when we don't even know what you can do or what you've or done. Not or not to mention the coaching carousel. Th- th- that too. And then you got to deal with coaches coming in and out and getting fired and all these things. And it's like, 
like I said, it's a trickle down. It's happening sooner and sooner and sooner. It happens in baseball once in a while. I've played with a couple guys who've committed uh, freshman year, and yeah. by the time you know development happens, it's a different pitcher, it's a different right. hitter. And that's the exception and not the rule, though, in men's sport. Like, yeah, you, you're going to get a couple people that get recruited really young, but. The large well, majority. They don't succeed at yeah. the way you think. It's right. like, oh, you committed when you were 14, right. dude. Like, right. You're not the guy that they projected you to be. Right. That's the thing that I think be. is yeah, the most so interesting different. because you don't really know. Like, you don't know. Yeah. It's different if like you guys are getting recruits junior, senior year. You kind of have an idea of like how good they are, what oh, they yeah. can do. It's yeah, but then you, get them, you try to get them year? even younger yeah, than risk. that. It's like that's even more risk, you know? Yeah. I mean, again, it again, full circle. We start talking about preparation and knowing what you're preparing for. And and if you haven't been in the scenario, you need to start asking questions to people that have been there. And if, if there's anything that I can advise people is don't be afraid to ask questions. Do not be afraid. I wouldn't be in the position I'm in in my career if I wasn't afraid, if I was afraid to ask questions. You know, I mean, worst case scenario, if I ask Art right now, hey, Art, can you pass me that water and get a sip of your water? which I wouldn't do in a COVID scenario anyway. <laughs> but my point is, I had to throw that in there. But my point is, if I ask Art... Don't try this at home. <laughs> if I ask Art for a sip of water because I'm really thirsty and he says no, well, I'm still thirsty. Big deal, right? Nothing really changed in my life other than the optimism of maybe I'm going to get that sip of water is gone. But other than that, I've got to let that go, right? So my, my whole point to that is... is don't be afraid to ask. It's okay. And it goes back to the idea of we don't know everything. We're not supposed to know everything. Be open to communication. Be open to learning. And that's really what it's going to come down to that if you want your career to grow and you want to go to the next level, whatever that might be, you've got to be open to learning. And prepping is learning. It's learning yourself. And if you haven't taken the time to do that, or even like Stevie was talking about getting out of your own way and learning to change, change the way you prep, change the way you prepare for everything that's about to happen from a scenario standpoint, maybe some of those injuries that we're watching, I shouldn't say maybe, most definitely some of those injuries that we're watching happen would not be happening. And that simply could be either not paying attention to cues being a little bit too ahead of what I think I'm capable of doing, or maybe not having the mentorship that other players have and all of those scenarios play. And you have a distinct opportunity to make that decision for yourself, period, end of story. And if there's anything that we can pass forward, it's, it's simply that. If you have a question, if you don't know what to do, get off your hump and ask somebody, what should and what needs to happen. Also get in the training room. <laughs> yeah, that. Get in the training room. Don't be room. afraid. From a prep standpoint. In yeah. stretch. Yeah. Be ready. Cool. Well, everybody, that yeah. was fun. Thank you. That Thank was great. You. Thank you. Yeah. And welcome, Stevie. Yeah, thanks. Welcome. <laughs> fun.